Welcome and thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. Before we begin, please take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or Spotify. The podcast is distributed on these platforms every Friday and is included in NAHU's weekly member-exclusive health policy newsletter, The Washington Update, giving you a head start on your weekly healthcare happy hour. Before we begin, I want to talk to you about this year's virtual convention. NAHU's virtual 2021 annual convention, held from June 27th to 29th, promises to be the most innovative, productive, and fun meeting you've ever attended. From exciting keynote speakers Karen Buxman and Paul Zagopoulos, to our top-notch knowledge channels and networking with vendors in the Grow Your Business Virtual Expo, I promise you that this year's annual convention will be educational, worthwhile, and fun. The cost to access all this information is just $99. If you'd like to register, go to NAHU.org. Now, please enjoy this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour. In January, President Biden established a new special enrollment period via executive order from February 15th to April 15th, since extended to August 15th. On this week's episode of the Healthcare Happy Hour, we're highlighting the milestone of 1 million consumers covered on the ACA exchange since the beginning of this SEP. Marcy, why are so many people signing up for coverage? Well, Dan, I think it's a combination of things. We did see the SEP that began, as you mentioned, February 15th. That was followed very shortly after with the American Rescue Plan Act that passed towards the end of March. And in the ARP, there were those extensions for exchange plan subsidies. And they are retroactive back to the beginning of 2021. So that's helpful for folks that may have enrolled in the exchange plans. As soon as the SEP opened February 15th, they can still go back and take advantage of these exchange subsidies through the ARP. And those subsidies allow for folks to be able to receive subsidies and not pay more than 8.5% of their household income for their premiums in the exchanges. And it also allowed for doing away with what we call the subsidy cliff at 400% of federal poverty level. So that tapers down a bit and there's not that hard cut off right at 400% of federal poverty level for subsidies in the exchange. So I think that was a big driving force for people who may not have been covered and learned about the increase in subsidies and felt like this was now an affordable option for them. Also, there had been a large request to open up the federal exchange to an SEP because of the pandemic. We saw a lot of states that opened up and either did a longer open enrollment period or created several different SEPs to try to get people in and covered before they got sick with the pandemic. And what we saw with the states that did that, there was a concern that if you do this, only sick people are going to come in and you're going to have an adverse selection issue and an increase in claims, and it could not be a financially sound decision. But in actuality, what happened 
because once again, because of the pandemic, a lot of folks were coming in and getting covered that were healthy just because they wanted to make sure they had insurance in case something did happen. And so, like I said, we saw that on the state side and now we're seeing that reflected for the federal exchanges as well. So a number of different factors there that are driving folks to get in and get covered, as well as an increase just in advertising and awareness of the plans on the exchanges. And I am happy to say that agents and brokers have done their part and upheld and increased their share of enrollment during this time. Typically, agents and brokers enroll about a little over 50% of folks that go in through the exchanges through open enrollment. And we have heard that that number is holding steady, if not increasing during this SCP. So a big thank you to you all for getting folks covered. If any brokers listening right now work with clients in the individual market who now qualify for subsidies on the exchange, can they still complete the healthcare.gov training? Yes, Dan. And it's important to note, if you have someone who has individual coverage off exchange and they now realize that they could qualify for these increase in subsidies and they want to go and take advantage of the SEP, go on the exchange and receive a, a subsidy in order to help enroll them on the federal exchange, you do need to complete the healthcare.gov certification program for agents and brokers. It's not very long. It won't even take you all day. It should just take a morning, a couple hours here or there. But you do need to do that to be able to assist your clients in getting in and being covered on the exchange if they're, if they're switching from an individual plan off exchange and going on exchange. But that certification program is still open for the 2021 plan year on healthcare.gov. So in an effort to bolster enrollment, CMS has been promoting their weeks of action what is that? CMS is doing what they're calling the, the weeks of action where they are focusing on different segments of the population to really get them aware of coverage, get them enrolled. One focusing on the Latino community. Last week, the week of action focused on the African-American community. And this week, the week of action is focusing on women and women's health. So we are expecting a few different types of weeks of action coming up throughout the summer for HHS and healthcare.gov to focus on these different groups. This is kind of a spinoff to what we've seen in the past for healthcare.gov when they have done different campaigns to focus on different communities. And in this case, it's really focusing in on making that connection with the SEP and making sure folks are aware that they can still get in and get covered. And this coming Tuesday, May 18th, NAHU's President's Perspective podcast will feature Gerald Tillman, founder of the National African American Insurance Association, NAHU President Dane Reinhardt, and Membership Council Chair David C. Smith. And Gerald have a fantastic conversation about how Mr. Tillman got started in the industry, why he feels associations are vital to the industry, and why he established an association for Black insurance professionals and the work that they have done. Are you listening to the President's Perspective? It is available on NAHU.org, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher, so make sure you subscribe today. We are going to play a short clip from that interview now, but before we get off the topic of subsidies, NAHU's Compliance Corner Committee hosted an informative webinar on recent American Rescue Plan guidance from the DUL. Have we had any updates on guidance since then? 
Unfortunately, Dan, we haven't. I know in the Compliance Corner webinar, we went over guidance that we received from HHS and a little bit from the IRS. We also brought up some difficult questions that we've been getting from you all. And we know that CMS has charted those questions and they're working on sending those over to the IRS for further guidance, but that guidance has not been released yet. Now, here is an excerpt of the President's Perspective podcast. If you like what you hear, you can tune in to hear the full episode this coming Tuesday, May 18th on NAHU.org and wherever you listen to podcasts. When I was recruited out of college, I was fortunate to have a great mentor, Robert Looper, CLU, actually from Dayton, Ohio. And it was the Looper Agency. And Bob said he took a chance on me because I was such a young guy. So under his tutelage, he said, Gerald, if you're going to come into the insurance business, you've got to be a member of your professional association. So right off the bat, I joined at the time, it was the Dayton Association of Life Underwriters and really got involved, really made a commitment to the industry and made a commitment to the local association. Got involved, got elected to an office, local association, then participated in the state association, then started going to conferences. (laughs) So actually my first four years was out there hustling, did a good job, got involved with the association. And, but I noticed in my early years that I was the only brown face in the group. Didn't bother me, but I noticed. And so I was asking myself the question because at a very young age, I fell in love with the industry from the perspective of business ownership. So I, I always had the idea of running my own business. And what attracted me to the insurance industry was the fact that I could run my own business, okay? But I told the recruiter at Miami University, which I graduated from Miami Miami University, Oxford, Ohio, I told all the recruiters, I did not go to school four years to be in the insurance business. (laughs) (laughs) None of us did. I skipped all the insurance interviews. All the insurance corporations were coming to Miami University I skipped them all. I, I didn't know anything about insurance. But I tell you, what attracted me was, you know, I played football at Miami University. I was a strong safety at, on the football team. And one of the guys who played ball came back to the athletic department from Aetna and wanted to recruit a couple players as recommended by the head coach, which was Bill Mallory at the time. And I was one of the three. But I told the coach, I said, coach, he's wasting his time. I didn't go to school four years to be in the insurance business. <laughs> he said, Gerald, just keep an open mind. But anyway, fast forward. I got involved with professional associations and understood the importance of a professional association to a person's development and the networking and, and the sharing of ideas for personal and professional development. But again, I noticed that for the most part, I was the only black face in the room. I went to conferences that might have been two or three. And I just asked myself the question, where's the diversity? So at a very young age, I said, I'm going to make a contribution to the industry. And that contribution to the industry was to diversify the industry. Simple as that. So I said, in order to do that, 
I need to start an association. I need to pass this good word to people of color about the opportunities in the insurance industry. So I just started collecting names in Dayton, Ohio, back in 1977, 1978. I started just looking around and trying to find who else was in the business who were African-Americans who were in the insurance business. And I just started saying, look, we need a support group to enhance careers, to encourage people to succeed, encourage professional development, encourage professional designations. So that's where it all began. I didn't know exactly how I was going to do it, but I said, I'll start right here where I am. And that was in Dayton, Ohio. 1977, which was not the current National African American Insurance Association. Actually, there was like two names in in the development, two names of of the association before we got to the National African American Insurance Association, which was a national version of what I created in 1977. By the way, it took me 20 years to get there. It is now time for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour Toast of the Week. What are we toasting to this week? This week, we are toasting to the President's Perspective podcast. Thank you so much for allowing us to share a snippet from your conversation with Gerald Tillman, the founder of the National African American Insurance Association, Dane Reinhardt, and David Smith. Cheers to you for hosting the President's Perspective. And remember, if you want to hear the rest of their conversation with Gerald Tillman, to tune in to the President's Perspective podcast on Tuesday. Cheers. Thank you for joining us for the NAHU Healthcare Happy Hour, the official podcast of the National Association of Health Underwriters. For more information on NAHU's government affairs efforts or to become a member, visit NAHU.org.